This is KXP FM Seattle, around the world on the web at kxp.org. My name is Greg Vandy in studio with Jake Xerxes Fussell. called uh, Raggy Levy. This is one that I learned from a couple named Doug and Frankie Quimby from a group called the Georgia Sea Island Singers. Thank you. 
Raggy Levy, oh, oh, to Raggy Levy. Raggy Levy, oh boy, just ragged as a jaybird. Mr. Sipple and I, I'm gonna build me a stone fence. I'm gonna sit by the fire Mr. Sipple and I I'm gonna build me a stone fence Sweet potato Oh, oh sweet potato Sweet potato Oh, boys, there's two in the fire. Mr. Sibyl and I, I'm gonna build me a stone fence. Awesome buggy, oh, oh, awesome and a buggy. Awesome buggy. Oh boy, there ain't no one to drive on Mr. Sipple and I, I'm gonna build me a stone fence Mama Dinah, oh, oh, to Mama Dinah Mama Dinah old gal and I can't support ya Mr. Sipple and I I'm gonna build me a stone fence Raggy Levy oh, oh, do Raggy Levy Raggy Levy Oh boy, just ragged as a jaybird Mr. Sipple and I, I'm gonna build me a stone fence Jake Xerxes Fussell here in the Roadhouse on KEXP. That song, Ragged Levy, from the self-titled debut record from 2015. And then Jubilee, his version from the latest record is called Adesite. Just out right now on Paradise of Bachelors. Jake, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me here. It's great to have you. I've been wanting you on for a long time. Been playing your songs ever since the debut record. Now you're into number three now. All right. And they all sound great. Thanks so much. Yeah. A lot of people have come up to me uh, out there in the community or uh, through email on the show, and they pick you out as one of the artists they discovered on the show and they really sort of connect with. There's something about your music that I think gets to people. Well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell us about how you started playing music. You have quite a background that we're 
going to get into, and there's lots of stuff to talk about, but how did you, uh, you know, hear the calling to, to pick up guitars and, and sing songs? Well, I grew up in a musical environment. Um, both of my parents were sort of involved in the folklore world, uh, documenting people who carried on certain traditions in rural southwest Georgia and south Alabama. Uh, a lot of that stuff was like sort of material culture type things like quilters and basket makers and potters and that whole world. Um, but some of it included music as well. And so I was a little lucky to be around a lot of really great traditional musicians when I was a kid in addition to listening to everything else that was out there, like a lot of people. But I was particularly fortunate to know some older musicians who played things. And as the child of a folklorist, uh, I got to ride around and um, meet people firsthand and learn some songs from them. So that's how I got into it. And when I got a little older, as a teenager, I got really into the whole recorded background of that story so I you know through that world found out about people like Alan Lomax and of course Woody Guthrie and um, the sort of bigger world of traditional music documentation John Cohen who we just lost people like yeah, that yep yeah your father is Fred Fussell uh, a pretty famous folklorist <laughs> and, and your mother and sister they played music as well Oh, my mother and sister don't actually play. Well, that's I should say that they don't play music, but they <laughs> they wouldn't admit to playing music. They were involved in uh, my musical upbringing in a big way. Uh, both of them are artists. You know, my mother okay. and sister are both quilters. I see. And uh, my mother actually came from a kind of a musical family in some ways. My grandmother had been a part of a gospel quartet back in the pre-World War II days, I imagine, when she was a youngster. And then, um, so yeah, there was music around, mm -hmm. you know, but um, my introduction to it was largely through this sort of uh, world of documentation. And right, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I guess it's music, but it's also, we're really talking more about the bigger picture of culture, right? Mm -hmm. Specifically Southern culture, because you grew up in Columbus and now you're in Chapel Hill, uh, North Carolina. But I wanted to name drop some of the... Um, really pretty amazing people you've, you've played with as a younger person uh, when they were much older musicians, like Precious Bryant is one person I would love to find out. If we, I wish we had an hour to talk about <laughs> really about her, but also Etta Baker and uh, uh, the Coma Mamas as well, right? Yeah, Precious Bryant, uh, I knew from the time I was, I don't remember meeting her, I knew her my whole life pretty much growing up. She lived... 20 miles from where I grew up and outside of a community called Tobleton, Georgia in Tobleton County, which is the, uh, one of the neighboring counties to Columbus where I grew up. And, uh, of course, there's a guy named George Mitchell who had, uh, located her in the late 60s and recorded her. And he uh, recorded a lot of rural blues musicians in that part of Georgia in the late 60s. And then later in uh, the 70s and early 80s with my dad, they did a lot of folklore work together in that area. And so I grew up knowing Precious and then uh, really loving her music as a kid. And then when I got into playing guitar myself and became interested in older styles, at least wanting to play them, um, I was fortunate to know her and uh, used to ride out to her place in uh, Tobleton County 
almost on a weekly basis for a long time and would play music with her. And she was never like a formal teacher and didn't really like sit down and show me how to do things, but would play songs and I could try to catch up with her. And that was actually a really great way to learn because you have to learn quickly. Was she a church person? She was a church person intermittently. She grew up um, in the church and was, she knew a lot of, uh, old spirituals and was great at playing gospel guitar. The particular church she grew up in actually didn't uh, allow instruments, but she would had played as part of a group with her sisters, and they used to go around to different churches mm-hmm. and were even in uh, some school talent shows and things like that. Her sisters, many of them were really great singers, and a couple of them play guitar as well uh, and still do, I, I guess. But, um, yeah, she was a great musician, she was, uh, I guess I should say she was partial to blues, but she also knew a lot of great gospel songs mm-hmm. and could play and sing them. Yeah. You know, one of the things about you and your music, I think, which stands out than sort of anyone else that's going to, you know, follow that sort of folk process thing and make songs and music is that you are such an interpreter, right? And and the fact that you make these songs your own songs and that I think... Many people listening who have your albums may not even realize that these are all traditional songs, but they're Jake songs, and that's really <laughs> the sort of the, the real trick, I think, for people to doing uh, sort of covering other material, older material, is, is finding that sort of thing in the song and then making that thing your thing in the interpretation. Is that kind of what you do? Yeah. I mean, th- there are uh, different approaches to doing what I do. Uh, some people are r- sort of real staunch purist, I guess, and they would want to have their version sound exactly like the pre-war 78 from 1923 or whatever. And There are those um, people. There are those people, and there's a time and place for that. I don't, I don't knock it because I've tried it, um, and I, that's what I did initially because you kind of have to do that when you're starting from square one. But um, for me, in my own personal creative artistic growth or whatever you want to call it it's more interesting for me to try to interpret things on a personal emotional level otherwise i can't really get to it um it doesn't seem like it's mine or it doesn't seem like it's uh relevant to me on a personal level if i'm trying to impersonate something from 1930 um that said i think there is something to be said for you know learning a fiddle tune note for note um and sometimes that's actually a really good place to start because, um, you know, there is a real beauty in that, those old songs, especially old recordings from the pre-war commercial recording era or whatever you want to call it. Um, but one way that I view that, I guess part of what informed my view of all that is uh, the fact that I was around living musicians as a kid who were in a traditional setting and I could see that songs did change and they weren't really set in amber and you could hear one version one day and then like Precious might play it different two weeks later it wasn't really set in stone verses were floating and riffs sort of came and went keys would change so that really contributed to my understanding of how music functioned um, and still does. So 
these things change according to how you're feeling or, you know, it's, it's a personal sort of intuitive process Yeah, as much as it is historical or anything else. Yeah. Uh, clearly we can talk forever about this <laughs> stuff. Uh, let's get to another song. This is a, a song called River St. John. It's uh, also on the latest record called Out of Sight. It's on Paradise of Bachelors. And, and also, uh, Jake, what I like about you is you're also a real digger, right? This is a song that, uh, you you found you you dug for this one and you you found and you did it. Well, well, tell us a, a brief intro of this one, please. Yeah, this is from a Works Progress Administration uh, recording made by folklorist and documentarian named Stetson Kennedy, who did a lot of work in Florida. And this is uh, a guy named Harden W. Stuckey. Uh, singing this song in Jacksonville, Florida in 1939 is actually a street cry, a fish vendor's cry. And um, I heard it a couple of years ago and thought it was really poetic and beautiful and kind of wanted to see if I could do my own take yeah. on it. So. Let's hear it. This is Jake Xerxes Fussell on KEXP. Thank you. 
Jake Xerxes Fussell on KEXP in the Roadhouse. Great to have you here, Jake. That song, River St. John, from the new album called Out of Sight. I wonder if, if ladies ever did find diamonds in, in those fish. <laughs> it's a good selling point. Yeah. You are uh, a... Uh, well, you, you studied under one of my favorite people of all time. One of the, Probably the guy that, that has inspired me the most in terms of music and culture. His name is Les Blank, the filmmaker. And when I, you know, I was talking to Brendan... Uh, Paradise, he told me that, and I was like, wow, we got so much to talk about because uh, <laughs> Les Blank is just a hugely influential filmmaker because he did it sort of differently than anyone else. And and tell me about him and, and how you got to, were you like an apprentice or what were you doing with him? Not in any formal sense. I was more of a friend. He, um, Les Blank came down to my hometown in the mid-'90s uh, when I was still in high school, actually, and to show some films at the local university there where my mother was a teacher, actually. And, um, of course, I went with my parents because I was interested in Lightning Hopkins and Werner Herzog and all the stuff that he had documented and um, got to meet him. And then some of the people in the art department asked my dad to show him around because he was going to be in town for a few days. And my dad took him over to Alabama which is right across the river, to see this guy named Butch Anthony, who's a self-taught artist over there. And Les became really enamored with Butch. And so he started coming down like every, or a few times a year, just to film Butch. And that's actually a film that's uh, not been released because Les died a few years ago, and I think it's still in the works. There might be a a version that's going to come out at some point. But... uh, Anyway, years later, I was living in the Bay Area for a little while and um, playing music and stuff, and he got me, generously got me a job <laughs> working as a clerk at Down Home Music, which is where, uh, in El Cerrito, where Arhuli Records is located, and Flower Films, his office was upstairs. Yeah, that's what I heard. So I got to hang out with him a lot there, and yeah, yeah we just kind of became buddies over the years and got to go eat dinner at his house a lot he was a great cook and um just a real character i miss him a lot he was a friend but also kind of like a hero too because his films are so moving and i was lucky to get to get to know him right yeah hot pepper is probably the first one i saw and still my favorite because you just see beautiful he just really gets into places and, and documents and shows you such the real deal that it's it's sort of mesmerizing, I guess. Yeah. yeah you want to get closer. Yeah. Uh, also, you're a DJ. Yep. Like that's me, right. you got a radio show. I do. Tell me about that. It's called Fall Line Radio, and it's on WHUP, which is a little uh, low power community station FM station out of um, Hillsboro, North Carolina, which is near where I live. And the station's only been in existence for a few years now. But my show is a um, weekly show for two hours every Wednesday afternoon. I play what I call music of the American South and beyond, <laughs> which uh, is kind of like I can play whatever I want, really. <laughs> but I do a lot of uh, field recordings, and sometimes I'll have themed shows, certain historical themes, like, uh, or sometimes there'll be loose abstract themes, like songs about plants for two hours or something like that. <laughs> but um, other times, you know, I did one recently that was um, about American Indian music of the Southeast. 
things like that. So it's an opportunity for me to just explore stuff that I'm already interested in, but to do it publicly and to share things that I'm passionate about. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. I, I'm not like a veteran radio person like y'all, but it's a real trip getting to getting to do that. It's a it's a treat. Is it online? It yeah. is online. Yeah, What's they that? have a a website whupfm.org. Okay, cool. Uh, what's what uh, great magazine is, do you like better, Oxford American or Bitter Southerner? <laughs> oh man, I don't know if I can say without. Uh, you probably know both as a stirring camps. up some trouble. Yeah, yeah, I like both of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> William Tyler produced your first record. How did you guys meet and work that out? I lived in Oxford, Mississippi for about 10 years. I went to graduate school there, and uh, I was, like, hanging out there. And towards the end of my tenure there, I was looking forward to moving to North Carolina, but this guy, William, was, like, hanging around town because he had family in that area. His folks are from Mississippi. I think they went to University of Mississippi back in the 60s, I guess. But... um, I knew who he was a little bit. I've heard a couple of his records or maybe his first two albums, I guess. And he was sort of hanging around town. Around that same time, I signed up with Paradise of Bachelors and was getting ready to make my first record. And they were like, I think, a little bit scared about of what I was going to do because they didn't really know me or anything. They just heard some demos I'd sent them. And they thought I might need some direction in the studio. And, of course, William's... Uh, grew up in Nashville and so anyway we got together and he wound up producing my first record and it was a lot of fun especially because he I didn't have like any real direction with it I just had these songs and I said whoever wants to play on it you know you think would be good backing musicians I trust your intuition on all that and so he wound up getting a bunch of Nashville guys together which was really great like people like Chris Scruggs who's really wonderful musician who plays with Marty Robbins Marty Robbins, Marty Stewart's band. Uh, and then uh, Hoot Hester, great fiddler, who probably did play with Marty Robbins. He played with, like, you know, Ray Price and a lot of people like that, a lot of the old school Nashville people. So that was pretty wild to get to do that. Um, but yeah, William's a good buddy. I don't see him that much these days because he lives in LA and I'm not on the West Coast very much, but um, maybe I'll see him in a couple of nights. Yeah. Well, we could go on. We should play the last song, I think. But yeah. I, I wanted to mention how your father did the charcoal sketch artwork on the latest record called Out of Sight. And also you always pick really cool artwork for the album covers uh, throughout for the first three anyway. That's, that's super interesting, I think. Uh, but let's get into the song. Which okay. Is, this, <laughs> this last song is one of my favorites. It's, it's actually a question. Have you ever seen peaches growing on a sweet potato vine, right? That's the question. That's the question. But it's also a song. You want to do it? Thank you. 
one on a sweet potato line Have you ever Xerxes Fussell, have you ever seen peaches grown on a sweet potato vine? From his second album, it's called What in the Natural World on Paradise of Bachelors. Jake, you're one of my faves. It's great to have you in studio. Thanks for coming in. Thanks so much, Greg. I really appreciate it. Check Jake on tour with Joan Shelley soon. This is KEXP FM Seattle.